I'm Emily Thompson. And I'm Kathleen Shannon. And this is Being Boss. In this episode of Being Boss, we're talking about making the most of a photo shoot, sharing growth goals with your team, going on a trip to Guatemala for our first charitable trip together if you'd like to join, our intentions for the next month, which include laundry and resurrected plants, and all things speaking, including how to get speaking gigs, what to charge, and the do's and don'ts. As always, you can find all the tools, books, and links we reference on the show notes at www.beingboss.club. Bosses, I have two ways you can start making more money right now. One, track and report your business expenses. Every dollar you spend on your business, from that new computer to that conference you want to attend, it needs to be written off as a tax deduction. Two, invoice your clients and get paid faster. Now, this may sound obvious, but even Emily once had a client who wasn't getting paid because she literally was not sending out her invoices. FreshBooks Cloud Accounting makes it easier to automatically track and deduct your business expenses. FreshBooks Cloud Accounting also makes it easier to invoice your clients so you can get paid faster. FreshBooks will even automate follow-ups for late payments. FreshBooks is the number one accounting software in the cloud designed to make billing painless for small businesses and their teams. Today, over 10 million small businesses use FreshBooks to effortlessly send professional-looking invoices, organize expenses, and track their billable time. Try FreshBooks Cloud Accounting for free by going to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter beingboss in the how did you hear about us section. How you doing, Kathleen? Good. How are you, Emily? Good. I feel like we're not chatting as much as we used to. I which is know. True. But you know, I have to be honest, I'm loving the once a month pacing. I feel like I have so much more time and space to be creative and do the work and not just talk about the work all the time, but actually <laughs> do the work. Right? Same. I have certainly enjoyed that shift as well. And it's been something that I've been thinking about a lot, how much we have been talking about doing the work. And I even see how much everyone else talks about doing the work. Um, But it's nice to get back into doing the work. And I I don't know, just want to have a little encouragement session for everyone out there. Go do the work. Well, it's funny because we started the podcast as business besties talking about what we're doing, our struggles, our wins, our victories, our mindset, habits, routines, boundaries, how we're actually doing the work. And, you know, diving back into it, I'm curious to hear, like, what have you been up to for the past month? How's Almanac doing? How did the mastermind launch go? Like, what's going on? Ah, things have just been rolling. It's funny, since we do have so much more time to do the work these days, I do feel like so many things are happening in such a short amount of time that, I don't know, it's all just rolling really quickly, which is great. Um, The mastermind is filled. We're starting actually tomorrow as of recording this. Um, I start with my new group of masterminders, and I'm super excited about getting started. Um, I'm also thinking about whether or not I'll do another round of it and at the moment, I'm thinking maybe not, at least not for a while. I'm enjoying doing it. Um, I'm enjoying or I'm excited about going into my next round, but I'm also looking forward to a lot of growth at Almanac. So that has been happening a lot over the past 
couple of months, really since the holidays, we were able to come back after Christmas, sort of take a little chill break, and then we've gotten back up and sort of hit the ground running. We're developing new products, which is super exciting. We're going to start bringing those out really soon. We had our first photo shoot this last weekend, which was a blast. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we called in some friend of, friends of ours from Florence where we where we grew up and where we did a lot of our indie shopography work. Uh, we called in our old uh, photographer and stylist friends to come into Chattanooga and do a weekend-long photo shoot with us. So Shout out to Abraham and Susan Rowe from Abraham Rowe Photography. Um, we had a blast. We had a blast putting everything together. It was, it was a lot of fun getting back into that sort of workflow because we used to work with them on all of our indie shopography, like large branding and website projects. So we already had this really great work rapport and flow that we just fell right back into after years of not working together. It was like we we never missed a day and we got so many fun things done and it was so fun to be back in that space doing that work, not for a client, but for myself. So it was a lot of fun, very like lots of creative energy, super super productive. I cannot wait to see the images. I cannot wait to share them with everyone else. Um, and mostly because a lot of them are of new products that we've been developing and I haven't even shown anyone yet. They'll be coming out soon. And then whenever you did the photo shoot, was it just product or were you shooting yourselves as well? Like for content? It was some of us, um, some of product. We, I like to do a good mix of just like Hardcore product shots, like the things you're going to put on your product listings on your website, but then pairing that with a little more like editorial content stuff. So think about, you know, candle straight on and then just like a hand holding a candle. Um, so fun things like that. That way you get sort of like <laughs> you're killing two birds with one stone, except David read something. Apparently PETA. Funny joke, guys. Oh, I saw this. <laughs> right where PETA released like... um I don't even know, like, kinder versions of sayings we all use. So instead of killing two birds with one stone, you're feeding two birds with one scone. (laughs) (laughs) So you fed two birds with one scone Uh, with this photo shoot. I did. I did do that. So we got really great product photos, but we have lots of editorial things as well. And we did also get some shoots of us because some of what Almanac is releasing soon are some wearables, and I will leave it at that. Um, so there are some shots of David and I, too, which was a lot of fun. Uh, but David got to play model for the day. <laughs> I'll have to ask him how he liked that. He's probably not as used to it as we are. Definitely not, but he did a real good job. Okay, one more logistical question, because Uh I know that before we do a photo shoot, like the photo shoot that we did for our book, or if I'm doing a photo shoot for a client, I always have a shot list, and I have like close, medium, wide, environmental, straight on. Did you have a shot list, or did you just wing it? Totally had a shot list. You know, I'm crazy organized and a little bit of a control freak. Um, I also know how Abraham and Susan like to work. Again, we've worked together for so long. I know that some guidance always gets us going a lot faster. So I did. I made, um, I got a Google Doc open and I made a list of all the products I knew I wanted to shoot, some of the shots that I know I wanted to get and around some content that I know I want to share this coming spring. I sort of made some lists and I also went through, through Instagram and just grab some photos of some shots that I like, some sort of angles or 
or um, collections that I liked. Um, and I put them into little mood boards. So like there was like a little mini candle mood board and there was a little mini crystal mood board. Um, and they printed it out and brought it with them. And while we were shooting, we, you know, marked things off and, and went through the list and it kept everything super succinct. I think that photo shoots, they're not cheap, number one. So you definitely want to use your time as wisely as you can. Um, and two, with good guidance, you can get a lot of things out of it. So I do like to leave enough room for just like creative whims and good ideas for sure. But I think having that structure and that shot list and mood board to go back to is a good way to get you back on track if you start going off a little bit, which tends to happen whenever a bunch of creative friends get together to make something. So, um, so yes, there was a shot list. Um, we joked around with them. We were like, do you guys often get shot lists quite like this from your clients? And they joked and said, not usually. Um, but it was really helpful. And, um, we used it to really get everything I wanted out of the weekend. I love it. I know for me, whenever I'm art directing a photo shoot, I have a clipboard. And so that's kind of become the shorthand term for this thing, this collection of documents whenever it comes to like me and my sister who I own Braid with and then our director of photography or our you know, videographer. So the clipboard includes the shot list. So a checklist of like every shot you're getting. It includes a timeline. So like where we need to be and when, especially if there's multiple locations. And then finally, a mood board. So like a printed off mood board of the style and vibe that we're going for. Love it. That clipboard or those docs will definitely make a photo shoot all the more worth it, all the more worth the money and the energy and the time that you're using to to create this visual content for your brand. All right. What about you, Kathleen? Because you and Braid have been up to a lot lately, too. And because we don't talk anymore, I don't even know what's going on. What's going on at Braid? I know. So I just, uh, for our listeners who don't know, Braid is headquartered out of Oklahoma City. We have eight team members working with us, including three partners, myself included as a partner. And we have a physical location in Oklahoma City. And as of this week, we started breaking ground on building out into two more spaces next door to our current space. So we are doubling in size. We just have a huge expansion coming up. And I'm so excited about that. So um, Liz, my creative director, and I both happened to live in Michigan, and so she drove to my house, and then together we flew down to Oklahoma City this past week and had a huge planning retreat at Braid. In fact, I got put on blast a little bit on our Instagram account because I was mentioning our CEO day kit and how it was the – it was on March 1st, and I said it's – day one of Q2, it's time to get your act together. And everyone is like, it's not Q2. You're wrong. <laughs> Legit. Right. Just we appreciate up. your compassion, folks. <laughs> I know, right? But it was a total mix up, probably because we were having a big planning retreat and going over lots of the kinds of things that we go over in the CEO day kit. So whatever. Anyway, I had a big planning retreat at Braid where you know, at the beginning of the year, I got together with my business partners and we went over things like finances and goals and victories and wins and what we would like to do over the next year and, you know, really just goal setting on um 
like on a client level, but then on a personal and professional level. For example, you know, if we want to attend certain conferences or if we want to get so many speaking gigs, as well as how many clients we want to land and what kind of clients we want to land. And what was really cool about this is that I'm used to doing that now at this point with a business partner, but really articulating it to the rest of the team, I'm realizing the importance of that. So we had a big planning session where we were sharing what we found in our partners meeting with the rest of our team and inviting them to really collaborate with us on what their goals are and what their wins were and really just giving them an opportunity to feel ownership over this company that we've created and really just seeing the importance to in company culture. So like after this big planning retreat, we were watching the Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper Oscar performance on YouTube. And I don't know, it's just cool to feel this growth and expansion, both, you know, literally in our space, but then also in, I just feel like we're growing up a little bit as a company. And so that's really exciting. Um, we also entered the Addies, which is like a big advertising awards ceremony that happens every year. And it happens state by state and then regionally. And I used to be the bomb at winning Addies. Like early in my career, whenever I was an art director at the advertising agency that I worked at before I, you know, decided to go out on my own and freelance and then start braid with my sister. Um, we enter the Addies every year, and it's something that my sister and I haven't done because it's expensive, and we didn't really feel like we needed it, right? But now that we have more local clients and work that we're really excited to showcase, we wanted to submit a lot of stuff on behalf of our clients, and we won a little bit. So I won a gold nice. on a campaign that I worked on um, that I loved working on this past season o- over the winter. It was like kind of a holiday campaign. And so that was really exciting. And it's funny because I'm less attached to it than I was when I was younger, but it's still really exciting and just an opportunity to celebrate. And I'm really excited for my clients. Like digging back into client work has been fueling my soul. In fact, I feel like maybe even on our last podcast episode, you mentioned how you can sit at your desk and just work for eight hours without getting up. And I was like, oh my gosh, it has probably been years since I've done that. Like, I don't know how you do that. I have to get up every 90 minutes and stretch my legs or go for a walk or grab a snack. But whenever I'm digging into design now, I've learned I could sit there for hours and hours and hours and just push some pixels around and make it perfect and beautiful. And I'm just really feeling a lot of excitement around that. Good. I think there's something to say about finding the thing in which you can flow on that level. And I think graphic design was getting back to that for you. A hundred percent. All right, let's take a quick break. While making good use of time is crucial to staying profitable, for small business, it's a matter of survival. Time is the one resource that we can't make more of, so you need to make sure you're putting your time in only the most important places, and Timely helps you do just that. With Timely, you can control and manage your time from one place without compromising your own productivity, allowing you to run watertight projects, stay on top of your non-billable efforts, and increase your business's productivity. Timely for those who trade in time. Start your free 14-day trial and get 10% off your first year by going to www.timelyapp.com slash beingboss. Okay, so we've got some really exciting news to share. 
Yeah, we do. We're going to Guatemala. I'm so excited about this. Whenever we started this podcast, we sort of an internal goal we had or like this intention that we set was that being boss is going to help us travel the world that we wanted to go places and meet bosses and see things and do and just do things outside of what our current work was allowing us to do and granted being bosses allowed us to travel all over the country and even into Canada a couple of times as well but now we're going to Central America. I know, and along with the goal of traveling the world, a few years ago, we started asking ourselves how could we use our platform to make a bigger and more meaningful impact? And specifically, we were thinking about how we could work with a charity or a nonprofit. And we even did a pre-order campaign with our book um, to donate some money for every book sold to a charity. And that felt really good, but in some ways, it kind of felt like it fell flat, you know, like we're sending off a check. And in the grand scheme of things, is that check enough? Anyway, all this to say, we've always made it a goal to try and have this bigger impact. And we've asked the question, how? And what I've learned is that sometimes questions don't get answered right away. But whenever they do show up, you know what the answer is because you've already asked. Right. So we got in contact or actually we got contacted by Cooperative for Education, also known as Coed. They reached out to us to see if we wanted to partner with them to help educate children out of poverty in Guatemala. And obviously, hopefully, the answer was a resounding yes, please. Yeah, so um, the Cooperative for Education has been around since 1996, and they have been on a mission to break the cycle of poverty in Guatemala through education. And in that time, they've served over 207,000 students, helping them to learn to read, stay in school, graduate, and gain critical job skills at rates far above the national average. And those outstanding results have gotten attention from Guatemala's Ministry of Education, the United Nations, the World Bank, and most recently, the Obama Foundation. I'm hoping Michelle Obama comes on this trip with us. Right? We can put that one out into the universe. Why not? <laughs> All right. So we um, each are sponsoring a child in Guatemala, and it's $80 a month for like a full scholarship to do a full sponsorship and it helps these kiddos afford school. There's a lot of pressure and things that we certainly didn't grow up with whenever it comes to attaining an education like these kids in Guatemala are coming up against. And just yesterday I started sponsoring my student. Her name is Kimberly and in her, in the future, she dreams of becoming a lawyer. She is inspired to become a lawyer because she has seen domestic abuse in her community and even in her own home. And she wants to become a lawyer so that she can help women who suffer from domestic violence. So I'm so excited to be sending Kimberly some money and helping her stay in school. And I hope to meet her while we're in Guatemala, and I hope that a lawyer will come with us so we could have a boss lawyer speak with Kimberly also about what it's like to be a lawyer. 
Oh my God, yes. So we are also going to Guatemala. The Cooperative for Education has been hosting trips like this to Guatemala and has invited us to join them to visit the communities that they serve. And we want to invite all of you to come with us. So we're going this summer to meet the children we're helping as well as taking some fun adventures like sunset cruises, taking a tour of a coffee farm and weaving co-op and some other fun things as well. We hope that a few of you can join us this summer in beautiful Guatemala, also known as the land of eternal spring, which with the snow covered ground that some of us are currently seeing. I know, right? For spring. <laughs> I was also like summer in Guatemala. Is it super hot then? But apparently it's always just beautiful and the land of eternal spring. Right. So if you would like to come along, please go to beingboss.club slash Guatemala to learn more about the trip and what it's like to sponsor a child in Guatemala in case you don't want to come with it this time. And again, that's beingboss.club slash Guatemala. Bosses, we know the struggles of shipping. It can be complex. With the uncertainty over costs and deciding which carrier to use, plus tracking your packages, things at best can get confusing. But now there's a better way to ship. SendPro Online by Pitney Bowes. With SendPro Online, it's easy to save time and money no matter what you send, from letters and packages to overnights and flats, and you'll always get the rate that's best for you. You can use SendPro Online to easily compare USPS and other shipping options all in one online tool. You can use them to print shipping labels and stamps on your own printer and to track all of your packages and get email notifications when they've arrived. Use SendPro Online for your business for only $14.99 per month. And our listeners can get a free 30-day trial when you visit pb.com slash beingboss. You'll also receive a free 10-pound scale to help you weigh your packages and accurately calculate the cost of shipping, so you'll never overpay. Get your free scale and 30-day free trial now at pb.com slash beingboss. All right, so as of recording this episode, we're coming up on a new moon and... We like to set new moon intentions around here, so we figured we would check in this episode with each other to talk about our new moon intentions, which is something that Kathleen and I do regularly, but this time we're going to let you in on the conversation. So Kathleen, you go first. Okay. What is your intention this month? (laughs) I know this really is like a conversation that we have behind the scenes and practicing these monthly intentions really helps us become who we want to be. It helps us lead more intentional lives and get serious about who we want to be. So my intention for the month is trust. Mm. Ooh. Yes. And? Do you like it? Yes. So, okay, here's the deal. You may or may not have noticed that I've been freaking out about like worst case scenarios. (laughs) Worst case scenario is your favorite exercise. (laughs) It's becoming a problem. Like the other day I was spending the night with my best friend at her house with my family and uh I took Fox downstairs to her finished basement. It's beautiful. It's dark. It's cool. It's a good place to sleep. And she has a guest bed down there. And some at some point in the middle of the night, I convinced myself that I was going to die of carbon monoxide poisoning. And that someone... <laughs> <laughs> I know. What? 
I know. Just anxiety through the roof. It's so dumb. And like, so I just want to trust that I can sleep in my friend's finished basement without dying. And that's just one example. I mean, it it really is. Um, it's a little much and I'm ready to nip it in the bud a little bit. So I want to take any time I'm having these like catastrophic thoughts and stop and choose to think something different and to trust that it's all going to work out for the best. And then I also chose this intention because this past year has been hard. You know, like 2018, I think, is where we ended up feeling the most burnt out. And I want to be able to trust that I can rekindle the fire and the enthusiasm and the ambition without burning out. And I want to trust that I can work out really hard at the gym without getting shingles, for example. Like, I just want to trust that I can handle the stress that's being thrown my way um, and that it's all going to work out for the best. Mm. I feel like this one feels really good for you, especially right now. I definitely I, I hear the worst case scenarios all the time, <laughs> all the time. Or all the times you think you're going to get murdered or otherwise die. Or <laughs> no, I know. It, it really became um, pronounced whenever I went to Oklahoma City and I had a couple of my best friends with me who aren't really, they don't know each other very well. So it's kind of like my bestie in Oklahoma City and then my bestie here, Liz, who also works for me. We were all in Oklahoma City and um, we were just chatting and the fact that both of them pointed out that I'm really freaked out about dying, <laughs> I was like, oh. okay. Mm-hmm. Like, if if other people, like, if we're connecting some dots, mm-hmm. and the dots being connected is that Kathleen's always freaked out about dying, <laughs> I need to, like, cut it out. Right. Just just trust. Just trust. Um, are you meditating much these days? Uh, so I'm practicing yoga nidra. So since mm-hmm. getting the shingles and really trying to get back into parasympathetic nervous system and um, chill out a little bit. I've been doing a yoga nidra practice, which is essentially laying in Shavasana, which is the corpse pose, and listening to a guided relaxation recording. And I have two versions. I have a short version and a long version. The long version is 45 minutes, and I've been trying to do that at least three times a week. Wonderful. I think you should be doing that Um, (laughs) because I feel like what there's like a there's a saying that I'm totally gonna mess up because I don't remember how it goes per usual, but it's like quiet mind, something something smart. <laughs> <laughs> Can't remember what it is, but that kind of came to mind just now. So we'll something just about leave that a there. Quiet mind, fr- not freaking out about dying. There you go. There you go. That's um. So <laughs> when. <laughs> One thing that I love about whenever it comes to practicing intentions is really seeing how it shows up, right? And getting the opportunities to practice. And that's why I always feel challenged by intentions. I think we talked about this at the word of the year that like, be careful what you pick. Yes. Because like, for example, if you pick resilience, you might have some stuff thrown your way. If you pick peace, you might have to get your roof replaced on the busiest week of your life, right? (laughs) Right. So um, I love like really using intentions and seeing how it shows up every day. So today, for example, I noticed that one of my favorite houseplants that I thought that I had drowned 
has come back to life. And usually I'm not shy or like hesitant to throw away a dead plant. And I know that that sounds awful, but this one I was like, I'm I'm going to give it a few months. And I mean, it it died probably three or four months ago. And it is spring and it is blooming. It has come back. And it was just this little nod of like, you can trust that things will come back. At least yeah. that's the meaning I'm choosing to attach to it. Oh, I love that. I look forward to seeing how this continues to show up for you. I'll have to keep in touch because this is one for you. I'm most excited to see how it goes. Well, let's most see. Most excited. What about you? Do you have an intention? I do. I will begin though by saying that I purposefully did not set an intention last month, which is the first time in so long that I didn't because the universe is making me tired. (laughs) And so I need to take a break. I need to just like live without practicing for a month. Um, And it felt really good. Like I don't feel like I miss out on anything. So, you know, if anyone's feeling overwhelmed by this or whatever, feel free to just let it go for a minute if you need to. Um, But I am back Back in the saddle, um, ready to get back to my intention practices. And I have decided that my intention for the new month is going to be rooted. Ooh. Right? I like that. Right? And rooted. For a couple of different reasons, the biggest of which. The biggest of which is with all the changes that have been happening with like workload, with like we're backing off of being bossom, we're really going into Almanac on this side of things. And, you know, I'm my business partner at Almanac is my life partner, David. So there have just been like a huge shifting of workloads happening. Um, and for the past several years, David has been the sole caregiver of Lily, our daughter. And uh, we homeschool her. So he's been taking care of all of her homeschool stuff, but also like doing the dishes and the laundry and making sure she's getting to her homeschool activities and all of those things. Um, but this, all of this like shifting in workloads has equated to David actually needing to work more than me for the first time in years. And so I'm becoming more of the daily caregiver and like kind of entering into that like work at home mom role, which even though I've always been a work at home mom, I've never like those two things haven't overlapped. Like I'm working at home, but not playing mom while I'm working at home. So I'm definitely going back into that work at home mom role that I haven't been in in like six, seven, eight years. Um, doing a lot of homeschool things, a lot of like, a lot of laundry. And I, I need to go wash towels when we're done, which is not something I ever have to think about. Um, so for me, a large part of this is like really getting back into that home taking care of like the root of my life, taking care of those things. Um, and I've been trying not to be annoyed about it. Because I'm not. Like, I do – like, guys, I'm a cancer. <laughs> I do love my home, and I get real homey for sure, and I love to cook and make beds and all of those sorts of things. But it is, like, more tasks on my task list or on my to-do list. Um, So for me, I want to, like, lean into that a lot and really, like, do what I need to do with intention to feel really rooted in my life because part of this too is that Almanac is growing. And back to what you were saying a minute ago with 
last year being a year that we both really got the most into burnout I think we ever have together or separately, I want to be able to grow Almanac from a rooted place so that I'm making decisions based on some like firm foundations so that burnout is so much less likely to happen so that I can show up and grow and do all the things, but be able to come back home and feel really good about the decisions that I've made. So for me, rooted is my word for the month. And I'm also teaching my first almanac workshop this month, which is called Rooted Seasonal Living. So that has sort of played into it as well, where I'm going to be sharing some of the content that I've been putting together um, around living seasonally and creating and uh, finding fulfillment and living mindfully. So it's all, I don't know, it's all about coming coming back to like this firm foundation, this deep understanding so that you can grow and do and be from like a really strong place. I love it. I feel like we've been practicing intention setting with each other for so long that we can always seem to find overlap or relatability in each other's intentions. And I love Rooted because I have gotten some signs that Michigan is where we're going to be for a while and that it's safe to put some roots down here. Um, And then even thinking about that plant, you know, blooming again, like it's roots. (laughs) I thought I had drowned it, but its roots were resilient. Mm -hmm. Um, And so one of the things that I'm thinking about doing is buying a house, which is, you know, a good way to set some foundation and lay some roots I'm also trusting that the right house is going to show up at the right time. I found my dream house, but it's a little out of my price range. So I'm trusting, like before I would get like real riled up about that and just be like, oh, like go into a bad place. But I'm actually trusting that that showed me what it is that I want and that I will find the version of that that I can afford and that it's going to be perfect. So that's kind of like probably where my biggest challenge around my intention is coming up. Like I just can't trust the timing of things. So I'm curious to hear from you as far as Rooted goes. Do you see any sort of challenges whenever it comes to feeling rooted? Or do you have any specific ways that you're going to practice that intention or try and take note of that intention? Yes. I think my biggest challenge, it's funny, it's around trust. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Because one of the big, one of the big things that burnt out or burnout brought me was, um, a fear of like trusting my own decisions. Right. So for me, part of it is definitely going to be trusting that the decisions that I make now to sort of set these new foundations for either a growing company or my new role at home are the right decisions or that they'll lead to what it is that I that I want. So that sort of like self-trust for sure is the challenge. Um, but I also do feel it expanding into some really cool opportunities. So also another, you know, move that Almanac and the growth of Almanac is bringing us is that we're having to really set roots in Chattanooga. I mean, we've been here for three and a half years now and we're – I'm always looking at property all over the country, guys. Like, I am a little bit of a real estate junkie. Like, it's just a little personal hobby that I like to do Saturday morning in bed for my phone. 
And, um, and I think I need to start putting that to bed for a little while. I need to just really invest in what it is that we're doing and growing here so that we can be building that, you know, real physical foundation or mm, a geographic, I guess, geographically centered foundation. How about that? Um, in a local community. And I've been doing some of that. We had our first, um, or I hosted my first like open studio at our new Almanac studio, um, last week. And I want to begin doing that, um, more often just inviting other creatives and cool people that I know in town into my space and, and continue building and investing in that community. So there are, there's definitely some challenges. Mostly they're internal, aren't they always? Um, but then there are some really cool opportunities too that I'm excited to, you know, commit to and dive into. But it, there is this sort of overlying need to simply and always trust the process, my own process and the, a process that I can't even see yet. You know, I think one thing that also goes with trust and rooted is this idea of vulnerability, like really just being vulnerable enough to not keep things at an arm's distance, which I think can easily happen whenever you feel burnt out. Like you can start to hold things at a distance because you're scared of getting too close because, man, that fire burns. (laughs) Right. You know? Yes. Yes, it definitely does. And that's something even that we experienced this past weekend with having friends and doing our photo shoot was like remembering what it's like to invest in a creative project and to invest in relationships in relationships with people and um and to really like make something final for the future. Like you know, doing something like getting photos for something is saying like, okay, then like we're doing something with these products, with these things that we're doing. Um, and they, we have to take them and share them with the world. There's definitely some, some vulnerability there and just like an opening back up, a complete yeah. and utter opening back up. Burnout has been hard. I know for both of us. Um, but I definitely know that coming back to these intention setting practices is how we continue to, to find our way out of it. Obviously. All right. Well, I'm sure that we'll continue to check back in with each other off air about our intentions. Of course. I got to see what happens with you trusting. Hope you don't trust yourself into a murderer's van. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And cut. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I love it because it's true. I know, right? (laughs) Okay, Emily, so you busted out this beautiful color-coded spreadsheet and you had listed even in this spreadsheet some of our roles and duties and our marketing plans and our numbers and it kind of looked a lot like our CEO day kit. Well, you better bet. (laughs) That's exactly where it came from and it stemmed from me doing some of the exercises in CEO day kit It really spurred me to think about what it is that we wanted to do in our business for the new year, except a little differently this year, I used those to create some spreadsheets, but it definitely started with the exercises, the worksheets that we include in CEO Day Kit, a tool that we use every year to plan our year ahead. So it really gives us a chance to sit down, get really clear on all of our goals, on all of our attentions. It helped me think about my word of the year and some of my words of the month coming up. 
So if you guys want to get aligned and in the know with the nuts and bolts of your business, check out our CEO day kit at courses.beingboss.club. Okay, I want to talk about speaking because we have some speaking gigs coming up together and separately, and we've gotten a lot of questions around speaking. You know, over the past couple of years, we've been doing more and more speaking, especially as we were on book tour over the past year. And so I really wanted to dive in and talk about why we speak, how to get speaking gigs, how much to charge for speaking, how to prep for your talk, and maybe cover a few do's and don'ts. So let's dig into the why. Why do we speak? I think you should primarily speak because you have an expertise to share, because you want to teach or share or guide. Um, You need this content to get out. And speaking is one of the multiple ways in which to do that. I know. I never think about speaking as a part of my business model, like whenever it comes to exchanging my time on the stage for a paycheck. I think of it as a way to connect, as a way to share my expertise, and as really just a way to show up, right? Um, And I say this because I've been getting asked a lot of questions about how much do I charge for speaking and how can I build that into my business model? And just like podcasting or blogging or any sort of content sharing platform, I think that first and foremost, it should be about your expertise and what it is that you want to share versus how do I make money off of this thing? For sure. But I think that also does lead into some other reasons why you might want to speak, like it is your business model or for exposure. So for us, whenever we were doing our book tour, we definitely had some expertise we were wanting to share, but we had a book to do that. Whenever we were doing our book tour, a lot of that was about getting exposure of our content for the purpose of introducing people to the book and the podcast and some other things that that we have going on. So, um, so I think that can be sort of a secondary purpose or maybe primary. You can be the person who's like primary exposure all the way, but that's another option for you as well. Right. So let's talk a little bit about how to get speaking gigs. Because if you're wanting to get out there and show up and be seen and get on a stage, you all should see this. Like Emily's practically covering her face because (laughs) speaking is not her favorite thing. No, I don't. Lizzo, if you want to get speaking gigs, become the business partner of someone who likes to speak and then you'll speak. Right. (laughs) That's my tactic. So I love speaking. <laughs> I I mean, don't get me wrong. The night before I have a speaking gig, every single time, I'm like, why do I do this to myself? I'm never speaking again. This isn't worth it. It's too scary. It's too hard. I've thought about taking beta blockers, but then I'm scared of, you know, dying of a heart attack on a stage. <laughs> worst case scenario worst case scenario but you know that's part of the process and I think it helps that my brother is a performer for a living and watching him go through the pre-stage jitter that happens like before you have a show has helped normalize those feelings for me but I'll get more into that later first let's talk about how to get speaking gigs 
So I think that getting speaking gigs is a lot like pitching yourself to speak on a podcast, for example. You'll want to pitch conferences. A lot of conferences have open calls for speakers where you can submit an application. There are always, I think that starting local and starting small is always a really great way to get speaking gigs. So you can speak at local clubs like AIGA, I think is probably some of the first speaking that I ever did. Or AIGA is like a graphic design club. And I think I remember also one of my first speaking gigs was for a marketing association locally. Um, and then I, I, you know, even my very first speaking gig, I think it was that somebody canceled at the last minute and they asked if I could do it. And I just said yes. I had never given a talk before, but it was kind of one of those things where you say yes before you're ready. I put together my slide deck the night before. I practiced it a few times, and I just went for it. And from that, you start to really build a reputation, um, and you start getting invited. But at first, you kind of have to ask for introductions from friends. You have to get involved, and you have to ask. You have to ask for it. For sure. Most of mine ended up getting handed to me <laughs> because of Kathleen. So I think, again, become friends with people who want to do these things. Um, no, one of my best recommendations is that these days, online people especially, like everyone's throwing an event. So it's not even like shooting for the biggest conference you can think of, but really connecting with people who are doing smaller events where you can show up and do a workshop even, or where you can um, just be the guest expert for some sort of event that they're doing. It does, you don't have to start big and scary. You can start small. And then those things do always snowball into other things where similar to Kathleen, I have local friends who have invited me to speak at their like women's groups, or I recently spoke at a garden club. And that was something that came from another local thing that I had done before, where people see you at things, especially locally, and it ends up snowballing into other things. Same thing happens on like a larger circuit as well, where if you're invited to a smaller group, one of those people could host a mini conference. Someone at that mini conference is a part of a larger conference. Like it, it stair steps up to those big gigs. You just have to start really small. Yeah, and speaking of different kinds of speaking gigs, I know that for me, I went out the gate wanting a TED Talk, and that is just ridiculous. I mean, that takes, I feel, to have a good TED Talk, years of experience, of really knowing what it is that you have to say. And like anything, you have to use your voice to find your voice in podcasting and blogging and it's certainly in speaking. And so I would recommend, you know, not shooting for a TED Talk out the gate or even a keynote. There are different kinds of speaking gigs. So you could be on a panel where it's you and three to four other people talking about one subject and you're just kind of piping in. You could do a Q&A, which is our next speaking gig is in Syracuse, New York, and we'll share more information about that on our Instagram or on our newsletter. So be sure to sign up for that if you're interested in attending. Um, but we are doing a Q&A, like a facilitated where there's a host and they're asking me and Emily questions. And then there's keynoting where you have your slides, you have your talk, you know exactly what you're saying, and you can deliver on point. And keynote usually means that you are opening the conference or closing the conference with your talk. And then there's also, like you mentioned, Emily, breakout sessions and workshops. So even if you're not a keynote speaker or even on a panel, you might be able to host a breakout session at a conference where you can really dig into your expertise. 
Right. And at this point, we've done all of these, but we also have found the ones that we enjoy doing the most. So together, Kathleen and I love doing Q&As. There's something really fun and very podcast-like for us, for someone to be on a stage asking us questions or us taking questions from the crowd that allows us to really show up as best we can together. Um, but I do know I also love doing panels. Panels are probably one of my very favorite kinds where, again, part of a larger conversation or workshops where I would rather be teaching a whole bunch of people and having this sort of group conversation as opposed to keynotes where I always feel like I am just talking at a whole room of people. Um, and I've done those too. And they're fine. Um, but you can find which ones you like best. And you can even request those whenever you are invited to do a speaking gig. So Kathleen and I will always lead with, we would love to speak. Can we do a Q&A? Um, and more often than not, people are totally open to you showing up in the capacity that where you know you can best deliver your content. Um, I will also throw out here, Actually, a couple things. I feel like I'm like throwing myself under the bus here. I hate speaking. Um, but you're I also so good it. at it. I feel Thank like you. you definitely don't love doing it. But I feel like once you're in it, you're great at it. You are totally poised and confident. I know. I'm always just really proud of you after a speaking gig. Thank you. And for me, it's not like I don't get jitters. Like you were talking about pre-show. Like I don't get that. I'm at like all. full on diarrhea You're backstage like, nervous. You're like sweating balls and I'm just like, mm, when can we have a snack? <laughs> right. I don't get jitters. I don't get nervous. Like I'm the exact opposite of nervous. I'm ra- rather indifferent about the whole thing usually. And partly because it's just, it's not my most favorite thing to do. Though you're right. Usually I get up there and completely enjoy it. My thing is I don't want to do a speaker circuit. Like I don't want to be a speaker. I don't mind speaking. I don't want to be a speaker. Like whenever I'm traveling, I think that's it. Traveling is very sacred to me. Like it's a sacred act. And just like fly into a place, get on a stage and fly out feels blasphemous to me. (laughs) Well, and that's where I would be willing to do that if that was my business model. Like if that is how I'm getting paid, you know, in and out. But we aren't on any sort of speaker circuit. We don't have representation. We don't have people pitching us for speaking gigs. So that's not even what we're talking about here. I think mm-hmm. that we're talking about the kind of organic opportunities that have come out of being experts in our field, that have come out of writing a book, and the opportunities that tend to show up that we're invited to. Yes. And this is also to say, if you start getting into this, those opportunities do arise and they do lead to other things. So me sitting here saying, doing all these things, don't want to be a speaker. I did recently get asked to apply to do a TED Talk. Did you do it? We I did do it. <gasps> I did. Yeah. Right. So, so you may not love, you may not want to do the whole speaking thing, but when you have something to say and the opportunity to say it, girl, you take it. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about pricing because this is, I think that speaking is where there's most variables and where the conversation can get kind of awkward. But my Mm -hmm. thoughts around money are just be open and transparent and Talk about it. So whenever it comes to speaking, some gigs can pay a really good fee. Others might be able to pay for travel and accommodations and maybe a small honorarium. 
I did not know what the word honorarium is. It's basically like a goodwill fee. It's not maybe like a full. It's like a donation. Fee. Yeah, it's kind of more like a donation. <laughs> Um, I will say that if you are speaking locally, local events are mostly unpaid, but they're a great opportunity just to connect with your local community community and to raise awareness and to gain exposure and to really just position and anchor yourself within your community as, you know, an expert in what you do. Um, but I will say whenever it comes to pricing, I am not at all shy whenever someone asks us if we can speak to start the conversation with, do you have a budget for speakers? And just go from there. So for example, you know, Emily, we have gotten paid well. We've also gotten paid just for travel. We've gotten small honorariums, you know, and it really just depends. Like if we have a book to promote, we might be more inclined to go and speak and to do it practically for free or just to cover our flights because one, we get to hang out with each other and two, we get to promote our book in the meantime, like if we get to add on a book signing on top of the speaking gig. And whenever you aren't getting paid, there is a little bit more leverage whenever it comes to how you can ultimately be compensated. Um, So for us, it might be, well, can we have a book signing afterward? Um, And then finally, I just want to mention, like, I've always gotten clients from speaking, not because I'm hard selling myself during a speaking gig, which Which is is usually a no-no, a big no-no. And we'll get to the do's and don'ts here in a second. Um, But I have gotten clients from speaking and it, you know, fits right into that philosophy of be a farmer, not a hunter. You know, speaking is farmer, being a farmer. It's planting seeds. It's nurturing relationships. So even if it doesn't pay, I still think it's a really great thing to do if you want to do it. I agree. I think the biggest thing is just go into it knowing what you want out of it. And if it is just straight up money, then do that. Um, for me, I weigh every single opportunity differently. So if it's something local and unpaid, who am I going to meet or who am I talking to? Um, if it's a larger conference, who else is speaking or who's putting it on? Are those people that I want to connect with or are the attendees my crowd of people that I want exposure to from? Ex- I want to with? be exposed to with I don't know I don't know what that this is how we copyright is. in real life people you're right. seeing it behind the scenes right I put all the prepositions and we just choose one <laughs> um or are you traveling to a cool place like that one's always pretty up there on my list as well where you know I will sort of weight those things differently so that I'm getting out of it what I most want to get out of it again we're not it's not part of our business model we're not only going into it for money so we have the ability to sort of play with some of those other factors um and we always get what we want out of it whether it's you know meeting a a plus speaker that is on the roster and we're going to meet at that speaker, uh, that speaker cocktail party beforehand. Or if it's, uh, if it's traveling somewhere cool together and getting the opportunity to talk about a topic that we want to talk about or whatever it may be, just go into it knowing what it is that you want, but don't be afraid to have that money conversation, no matter what your priorities are, because it's always great when you get to travel somewhere cool, meet someone cool and get paid to do it. Yes. So um, we are speaking at, what is it? The Wise Symposium mm-hmm. in Syracuse, New York. Yeah. And that's coming up in April. I'm also going to be speaking at Camp Climb in August, which is hosted by Emma Hicks. I'm super stoked about that one. Emily, what do you have coming up? The Wise Symposium. 
in Syracuse. Um, I also, I'm hosting a local workshop. So that's one of the ways that I super like to speak is doing workshops. And sometimes the best way to speak in the way you want to speak is to host it yourself. Um, so I partnered with a local tea shop to do an almanac workshop, um, where I'll be speaking at that. So I'm doing, I plan on doing a couple of those this year. And then I also applied for that TEDx talk. So we'll see if that happens. That will happen in August if they choose me. If they choose me. That makes me nervous and excited. <laughs> get the shits right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's talk about the do's and don'ts. So my first one is do communicate with the event coordinator about the stage setup, timing, like what time you need to be there, when you need to be mic'd up, what kind of microphones they have. Ask them details on the stage setup. Are there, you know, stools to sit on? Because that might affect what you're wearing. I know for me, even before a speaking gig once, I was like, hey, what's the stage setup like? And I had been wearing like a short skirt. I needed to put on some leggings for that setup. Um, knowing if you're going to be hand holding a mic, if you're going to have a clicker for your audio visuals, if you even have the capacity for audio visuals. So just be really clear and ask as many questions as possible about all that. Mm-hmm. I say do pe- Whoa. Don't pee. <laughs> Scratch that one out. I say do be a part of the event. I think there is something extra that happens whenever you not only go speak, you just walk in, speak, leave, but you walk in, you are you show up to a session or two, you interact with the people, you are adding value to the experience that your conference putter honor is putting on if you are there being a part of that conference on a deeper level. Um, and Kathleen and I always find that we have a much more fulfilling experience whenever we give just a bit of extra time to either show up at those extra speaking events like the cocktail party the night before or whatever, um, or attend some of the extra sessions or show up to lunch and interact with the attendees. It do, does some really great things, not only for you and your brand and what it is that you're doing, but it does some good things for the the relationship between you and the person who hired you to do it as well. Yes, I could not agree with this more. So we did this at Blogalicious. Um, I did it at the Whole30 Coaches Conference that I was speaking at. I stayed for the whole weekend. I did mm-hmm. it whenever I spoke at Brene Brown's Courage Camp for her facilitators. I mean, it just makes such a difference to speak and then connect with people because I think that the thing that makes us feel the most awkward around speaking, especially keynoting, is whenever you feel like you're standing up there. We're so used to having conversations that it feels awkward to be speaking at people, but then you can continue the conversation before and after whenever it comes to being a part of the event and you can really connect with people and see how they respond to your talk and what further questions that they have. And that can even inform how you tweak and refine your talk moving forward. For sure. Okay. I say do practice your talk and we both do this a little bit differently. Right. Because I don't. That's a lie. I totally do. But we do very differently where you are very structured. You know all the points you want to hit at. You are like, you're practicing word for word for days. I'll type it out, read it a time or two. But I go in there knowing that I'm going to riff off myself the entire time. And that's where my magic happens. Yeah, I think that this is actually a really good point because what I do is I type I type out my talk. 
I design my slides. I insert my slides into my Google Doc where my talk is written. I read my talk three times. Then I record it. Then I listen to the recording. I know it's a lot. But then I know that if I do that 12 times. What? I know. <laughs> that makes me nervous. <laughs> I do. If I do it 12 times, then I can just kind of forget it. And it's not like I'm going off of a script. At that point, I can start to riff. It's like mm. I almost have to memorize it and commit it to muscle memory in order to be able to riff and feel really natural. And there is something to practicing a talk over and over again, knowing what it is that you have to say. So whenever you're on stage, you're not freaked out about your next line, but where you can really start to go with the flow and maybe throw a joke in here or there and start right. to riff. So over preparation, like you just explained, <laughs> is what would make me so nervous. Like there is definitely a place where if I'm practicing too much, then I get nerves. But if I can, and I heard someone say this once, it might have been Danielle Laporte, take it or leave it, um, that whenever going into a talk, know how you're going to begin and know how you're going to end and just let the middle happen. Like that's how I go at my talks where I know how I'm going to begin. I kind of know the middle, but we'll, we'll just let that play. And I know exactly how I'm going to end. And it gives me the ability to not over prepare and stress me out because that like, that would give me sincere anxiety. Um, and I can just go in there and say what needs to be said in the moment. And that also feels very podcasty to me. Like we do a bit of agendas. We don't do really any scripting or anything. Like I definitely find my flow when I can just let inspiration drop into my head and it come immediately out of my mouth. <laughs> it doesn't always end up that great as we can all attest to, but I am, think I'm better at it in front of people than I am just talking to you, Kathleen. I think my thing is sometimes I feel like a jumbly mess if I don't know what it is that I'm going to say, which has also happened sure. on the podcast. <laughs> um, right, I will also like... say, don't read your talk from your phone at the no, event. So no, no. I I totally get not, you know, over-preparing, but don't... Trust I'd yourself. I'd rather you just wing it. Yeah. Trust yourself. Yes. Or um, practice enough that you don't need to read your talk off of your phone. Yes. Um, do pause. I'm going to begin that with an um. You should not put ums as your pauses when you're talking. Um, but do pause if you need it. I think there's nothing wrong with giving the room a bit of breathing space. This is something that I've noticed from Brene Brown, who's hands down the best speaker I've ever seen. And I've had the privilege of seeing her speak a few times. And she will just pause. And I don't know if it's for perfect timing or dramatic effect or if because she just needs to gather her thoughts because she forgot what she was going to say next. But pauses always feel probably longer to you as the speaker than they do to the audience. For sure. Don't sell. Period. I once saw a talk where this guy was literally selling. It was like one long pitch, the whole thing. And it was... Mm -hmm real bad. Yeah, that's not what you're there for. That is not what you unless unless you're doing an event where you are selling from the stage and that's a whole other marketing tactic in itself, but especially if you're getting paid or you've been invited to someone else's event, don't you dare sell. But do t do tell people where to find you. You know, let them know where they can find you online so they can connect with you afterward. Mhm. Mm do mix in stories with practical and actionable 
actionable, actionable advice. Um, I love it when people are super personable, when they are sharing themselves, when they are being a good bit vulnerable, but they also turn that into action that you can leave and take. There's this whole thing about, you know, how do you keep the inspiration and excitement of conferences going after you go home? The speakers are really good about telling you what to do whenever you go home. Yeah, I would say even whenever you're writing your talk, think about the one thing that you want people to take home and do next and put that in your talk. All right, finally, I'm going to say don't drink beforehand. And I know that this is a little silly and a little, I don't know, whatever to throw in here, but I have found that whenever you go to conferences, even if you're speaking at it, it's really easy to want to use some social lubricant and to drink beforehand. But I have stopped drinking at conferences, especially if I'm speaking at them. Even at the last Being Boss New Orleans, I didn't drink at all the whole time until maybe the very last night. And it's because I knew that I needed to be on point. I needed to be sharp. I needed to be witty. I needed to remember what I was going to say. And I needed to not be hungover. So this is kind of my new rule is don't drink beforehand. Yes. Especially, especially, especially if you're getting paid. <laughs> like if someone <laughs> has hired you to do the thing, don't be the person that shows up with last night's booze on your breath. <laughs> All right, you all, I hope that you will take the time and really the intention if you want to speak to put yourself out there to show up, to be seen, to get on a stage and share what you know. Thanks for listening. And hey, if you want more resources, we're talking worksheets, free trainings, in-person meetups, vacations, and more. Go to our website at www.beingboss.club. Do the work, be boss.